we are in Daniel today, and I know you may be thinking to yourself, that's kind of odd, I thought we were going through Mark. Um, la- two weeks ago, we are in First Peter, last week we are in Mark, and now we're in Daniel, and I would say you are right, that is kind of odd. That is not usually what is going to happen. Um, it's just, it just so happened that that's kind of how the schedule fell, and uh, Jonathan's been going through First Peter, and we've all been going through Mark, and we've gone through Mark since uh, the church has started, really. And um, it's just nice every once in a while to get a little break from going on uh, through Mark for months and months and months and months. Um, Also, it gives the ability for other people who are speaking besides Rob to kind of do a deep dive into a book. And so that book that I'm doing a deep dive into is Daniel. Um, And then also, if you look through the Bible, we believe that the Bible is uh, one story. It is the story of Christ. It is the gospel. And it's told in, in different Um, stories that all tie together to make this one story. And those different stories have different, uh, the Bible has different literature styles. So you'll see the gospel, which is uh, what Mark is, and it's the story of Christ. And then you'll see epistles, which are letters that are written by the apostles, which is what 1 Peter is. Um, And then you get Daniel, which is a historical and uh, at the end an apocalyptic book. And so it's really nice to look at the story of the gospel and these different literature styles and see how they all tie together. And then finally, it just the book of Daniel has a lot of application to where we are as a country right now. And also, if you look at where we're headed as a country, I think that we'll see a lot of really good things throughout Daniel. So that brings us to the theme. And the theme of Mark, if you remember, is God restoring his wayward people. And just like We have that little tagline for Mark. We have one for Daniel as well. And it is that God is sovereign always. So again, God is sovereign always. And what we mean by God being sovereign always is that if you are thrown into a pit with lions or if you are threatened by a king, if you are thrown in a fiery furnace or if you are elevated to the highest status in the kingdom, right? If you get this awesome job promotion or you lose your job. God is always in control. God is sovereign over all of that. So that brings us to Daniel 1. And so the main point, and so as Rob just read the entire chapter of Daniel 1, thank you, Rob, for doing that. Um, The rest of them are longer. But (laughs) um, anyways, um, the main point of Daniel chapter 1 is that even in exile, God is sovereign. So even in exile which we will see, which we just read, Daniel is in exile, God is sovereign. So before we actually get into the meat of Daniel chapter 1, I want to submit a thesis to you. I, I, pr- I think I've said this almost every single time I've been up here, but I was, I'm a history teacher, and so in college I studied history, and one thing our professors would have us do is come up with a thesis statement for, for different times in history. You would kind of review it, and you'd come up with a thesis statement and then support it with facts and evidence. And so I want to submit a thesis to you about our culture today. This is where, when I take a look at our culture, I think that we are. Our country, so th- this is the thesis right here. Our country once embraced a Christian worldview, and over the last 20 years, we have seen a heightened rejection of that worldview. So not necessarily that everybody in our country is Christian or that I'm not even here to debate whether or not America was founded as a Christian nation. That's a fun debate for another time. But our country 
for a very long period in history sympathized with a Christian worldview, took things from Christianity and kind of made it our values. And over the last 20 years, we have seen a decline in that to where many of the things that maybe were sympathized with or that were kind of flown as the American flag, we could now face, could now face persecution for. Um, Before I get into the evidence, I want to make sure you know I'm not here to put a stamp of approval or disapproval on any, any political party. This is not a political message. And I'm not trying to ignore the fact that since the founding of America, we have made a lot of progress in in certain issues, right? But over the last 20 years, from 2000 to 2020, we have seen a decline. And I think we'll see that. Um, So statistically, from 1937 to 1999, um, uh, religious membership of any religion, right, any religion, always hovered around 70%. Most of the time, it'd be up near 75%. Every once in a while, it'd dip down under 70%, maybe to 68%, but it always has hovered around 70%. That's a poll down by Gallup. And then from 2000 to to, to 2020, we have seen a constant decrease in religious membership, with 2020 being the first year that it dipped under 50%. So for, for 1937 to 1999, you saw it stay at 70%, and now, in 2020, it's dipped under 50%. In the last 10 years, we have seen Protestantism decline from 51% to 43%, and agnosticism and atheism have all seen increases. If we look at laws that have been passed in our country, these are, these are laws that have passed that we as Christians would not agree with, and now could face, you could lose your job for having the stance that we have from what the Bible teaches. We have seen an increase in, in um, laws that favor abortions. We have seen laws that view and sexuality and gender in a different way than the Bible views it. We, and, and now we have seen that the church could possibly lose its nonprofit status. There's a law that's being worked through now that could make churches lose their nonprofit status. We have seen actions that have gone against what we learn, what what the views from the Bible are. We have seen an increase in the last 20 years of violent protests. And uh, we saw a raid on the Capitol, which hasn't happened since Shays' Rebellion in 1984 or whenever that was. Um, And we have seen unnecessary killings based off hate groups. Uh, We have seen public and private companies supporting secular views to say neutral. I say neutral with quotations because you really are never neutral. You're always taking a stance. And then we have also seen a decline in decency in our media. Our media, at at some point, you'd see a lot of our media that would have values that they wouldn't say it's overtly Christian, but you would see values that were very Christian, that were taught in the Bible. And we have seen a decrease in that. And so again, I say all this to say just to set the scene that as Christians today, in 2020, we are now, more than ever, experiencing what it means when the Bible says you will live as an exile. Um, as Christians, we should expect this, and we need to be prepared to live in it. Uh, the book of Daniel gives us a really good insight in how we can live as exiles in a foreign land, where once we lived comfortably with the culture, that was not necessarily the norm, Now we are possibly going to be living at odds with the culture. 
Um, so before we actually start Daniel, I'd like to take a second and pray, and then we'll get into Daniel chapter 1. Dear Lord, I uh, thank you for the ability just to preach your word. God, I pray that as I preach, it will be clear, that it will be your words, God, your message. I pray that as we look at Daniel chapter 1, we will be able to come to terms with the fact that we are not going to be friends of the world, that the world will indeed at times hate us for views and beliefs that we have. God, I pray that we can learn to live graciously like Daniel, but also standing our ground like Daniel. Um, God, I pray that what we see more than anything is that you are sovereign in our exile. You are sovereign in Daniel's exile. You are sovereign in the besiegement of Jerusalem, and you are sovereign in 2020. 2021. We love you, Lord. Amen. It's 2021. 2021 is like on the last, we're on the last half of 2020, right? right? Okay. Um, it's been a really wild year. Uh, anyways, uh, so I want to give a little background of how we get to where we are in Daniel chapter one. I'm going to go all the way back to when the Israelites are in uh, Egypt. So the Israelites are enslaved by the Egyptians and God delivers them and the Israelites leave Egypt And through Moses, God delivers the law. So Israel now has God's commands in the form of the law. And then after years of exile in the desert, due to their disobedience, they finally are able to enter the promised land. They're in the promised land, and there's a a lot in between this point, but I'm not going to go into all of it. But they end up wanting a king. Israel wants a king, and so they get Saul. And through a series of events, Saul kind of goes mad. And then David takes the throne, and David is a good king. He's a king that is after God's own heart. Um, And after David, we see a really long line of kings that are disobedient to God. You would every once in a while get a king that kind of reverts back to the law, uh, finds the commandments, tries to get Israel back on track. But for the most part, you see a long line of kings. You even see Israel split, and then you have a long line of kings that are disobedient to God. And that's why God allows Babylon to come in and besiege Jerusalem, and Israel is then going to live in exile. And that kind of brings us to Daniel chapter 1. So where we're going with Daniel 1 today, I'm just going to go through, I'm going to show you where we're going. I'm not trying to hide or have any big like mic drop moment at the end, that's not what I'm about. So uh, we're first going to look at what it means to be in exile. We're going to look at Daniel chapter 1, and we're going to say, what does Daniel 1 tell us about being in exile? We're then going to look at how to live as exiles based off what Daniel does, how Daniel operates in Babylon. We will then look at how we should live as exiles. And then we're going to go back, and you might, point one and point two, you might be saying, whoa, Ben, I thought the whole point of this sermon was that God is sovereign in our exile, and you're really neglecting the verses where it says, like, God allowed Jerusalem to be besieged by Israel. And that's on purpose just because the last point, we're going to go back through and look at how God was sovereign through the entire thing, through the exile of Jerusalem, through Daniel being faithful to God. And that's not, again, to have a big mic drop moment at the end or reveal, hey, God's in control. I'm telling you right now, he is. It's just so that when we leave, the freshest thing in our mind is that God is sovereign. God is sovereign in Daniel's time and God is sovereign now. So Daniel chapter one, the first thing that we see in Daniel one is that, let me get these in order really quick or it's going to be really bad. Um, All right, 
the first thing that we see in Daniel chapter 1 is Jerusalem is besieged, right? Babylon is coming in and taking over Jerusalem. What does that mean? What does that entail? Verses 2 through 7 give us really good insight into what it means for Jerusalem to be besieged. First, we see that the king of Judah has been given over to Babylon. Um, That's in verse 2. So they are, they are, Jerusalem, the Israelites are facing a change in, in leadership. We see vessels, holy vessels, are taken from the house of God, and they are then put with other gods in Shinar. And then the third thing we see in 3 through 7 is that the youths, are, certain youths of, of noble stature, are removed from Jerusalem, and they are indoctrinated into Babylonian culture through name changes education, and the very food that they eat. Babylon is kind of indoctrinating them into their culture through education, name changes, and the food they eat. So are we, in 2020, in a similar situation as Daniel in Daniel chapter 1? I'm not trying to make the argument that America is being sieged by a foreign country. We're not. It's clear. I think we would have heard about that on the news Um, but I do think we as Christians are in a similar situation. Number one, whether you are Christian or not, if you are here and you're not a Christian, we're pumped you're here. And whether you're Christian or not, in America, in 2021, we face changes in leadership all the time. Maybe it's your political candidate that you like and you voted for and he doesn't get elected, or it's someone that you like and he was elected and he doesn't get reelected, or the political party that you really care about loses majority in the Senate or in the House of Representatives or on the state level or the, the city level. Whatever it is, we face changes in leadership all the time. We also, just like the vessels were taken from the house of God and just kind of lumped in with other gods in Babylon, we also see God mocked, we see Christianity mocked, and we see our God, the one true God, lumped in with other gods in 2021. We see the coexist movement, Unitarianism, in a really highly educated place like Westerville, you see this in higher education all the time. Even in the Christian college that I went to, I saw that at the higher education level. If you think that it's a stretch to say that we're in a similar situation as Daniel and Daniel chapter 1, that's fine. But as Christians, we indeed are exiles. The Bible backs this up many times. John 15, 19, oh, I skipped one. Um, the third point, the U's being removed from Jerusalem. Uh, we, as Christians, are going to operate in secular environments all the time. When we leave the church, we will go out into the world and we'll work. Or if, if you are a parent here, your, your children, you may have already experienced this, but your children at some point will leave what hopefully you've set up as a God-honoring family unit. And, and they will be either put into the workforce, if they, even if we homeschool and, and they end up going to college, even going to a Christian college. I experienced it in a Christian college. I experienced that indoctrination into this, the world's point of view. Um, in the media, we get it all the time in the media, there are so many voices from the world saying this is better. Our children will face it. We face it just like these youths were being removed from Jerusalem and put into exile in Babylon. The Bible backs us up many different times. John 15, 19 says, If you were of the world, 
the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. James 4.4, 4, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Hebrews 13.14, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. The Bible is clear that the earth is not our home. We are indeed exiles here, and it is clear that being in exile means we will face persecution in the world. The world will be at odds with us. Daniel 2 is in exile in Babylon, and he experienced this in Babylon. And looking at how Daniel operates as being in exile in Babylon can inform us as we live in this foreign land. So point number one, what does it mean to be in exile? And point number two, how to live as exiles. So we see Daniel is now in Babylon, and very quickly... Daniel is faced with an opportunity to sin, to break God's commands. Now we know from Matthew 15, 19 that sin comes from within the heart. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. So what we're discussing is how can we be like Daniel in the fact that when we are faced with sin, we in our hearts have already resolved not to sin. When we are faced with an opportunity not to break God's commandments, how do we live in such a way that we will not break God's commandments? Now we know, and we'll get into this in point three, that God is sovereign over all of this, right? This is not a message to be like, dare to be like Daniel, you're awesome. This is a message about God's sovereignty. But in God's sovereignty, we see Daniel say no to these opportunities to break God's commandments. So what are some things that within God's sovereignty, Daniel is doing And how can we resolve to do those things? Because even our resolve to do those things, if you're sitting here and you're saying, I want to resolve to be like Daniel, that is God being gracious to you to even give you that resolve. So how can we, so if you have the desire to do that, do it. (laughs) And know that it's God who's letting you do that. So how can we do that? We see five different points throughout the rest of this chapter Five things that I think we can take away and we can be like Daniel in them. The first one is that Daniel knows God's commands. In verse 8, we see Daniel already knows God's commands because for Daniel to recognize that the king's food was even unlawful, he would have had to know the Torah. He would have had to know the law that God gave. So step one, Daniel knows God's commands. Next, when he is told to break them, he makes them known. He makes God's commands known. He goes to the chief eunuch. Really quick, eunuch, I just want to address this. Eunuch has two definitions, and we see both of them in the Bible. The definition we're rolling with, the one that applies in Daniel chapter 1, is just a leader or a, uh, like, high up in, like, the Babylonian empire or something like that. So he goes to the chief eunuch, and he explains the situation. All right, Daniel explains the situation. He says, I, I, I don't know exactly exactly the way Daniel said it or, or exactly word for word what he said to the eunuch, but he said, hey, this food that you want me to eat, this is unlawful. I, I, can't, I can't do this. I can't break God's commands. And we see the eunuch respond. So he makes them known to him and the people in authority. And the eunuch responds and says, 
that, hey, I, I kind of like you. Like we see that God gave Daniel favor in the eyes of the eunuch, which again, we're going to get to in point three, but um, he, uh, he's like, my, my head's on the line here. Like if you show up scrawny and skinny because you're not eating the food that we're giving you, I, I'm, I'm the one to blame. And Daniel then trusts God's commands. His response, right? Number three, step three, after he makes them known is he trusts them. He trusts that God's commands will hold up. He says, give me 10 days. That's all I need. 10 days to show you that following God's commands are better than what you have. But Daniel does not know the outcome at this point. There's nowhere in here that says Daniel knows for a fact he's going to show up stronger and better than the other people. He just trusts that whatever happens, following God's commands is worth it. We then see the fourth thing, Daniel follows God's commands. After he makes them known and he shows that he trusts them, he's willing to follow them, he follows through. He doesn't simply make them known and then not have any follow through with it. They follow through over this period. And then finally, we see that Daniel is in community. He does this with other Christian friends. He has, uh, we, we know Daniel is in exile, and then most commonly his other three friends, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He does this in community. We'll later see that he has very deep community with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In Daniel chapter 2, I don't want to get too deep into it, but there's a point where they could lose their life. And Daniel goes to them and says, hey, pray with me. So he has a community of people around him who he can go to and he can pray with. So how then can we look at these five things that Daniel does and apply them to how we live in 2021? Well, first, it's really simple. I'm just going to give you a little hint. I'm just going to go through them again because <laughs> we can do exactly what Daniel did. We can know God's commands, right? We have this. We have the Bible, Right? We have God's commands right here, and we need a daily diet of them. If we are going to be lied to every second of our lives by the world, we need to make sure we're, every time we step, I, I listened to a sermon by John Piper one time, and he said something along the lines of, every time you step out of the door, you're going to constantly hear the world lying to you. So you need to constantly be in the word to remind you of the promises of God. So we need to know this, know the Bible. Two, when faced with breaking them, make them known. If you are in a company where you are tempted to work deceitfully, if you have a friend group who, when you constantly hang out with them, you are tempted to break God's commands and kind of, kind of backslide a little bit, or if your family, if it's your family, and you, when you get with your family, there's temptation to break God's commands, make these commands known. But let's look at how Daniel did it. We look at the way Dan, we, we know Daniel had to have gone to that eunuch in a way that was graceful and tactful. The eunuch responded really well to Daniel. Do it in a way that's graceful. And then when the eunuch responded and said, I, I can't let you do that, Daniel had a very tactful response, right? He said, well, give me 10 days so we can gracefully and tactfully make God's commands known to that boss that might be putting pressure on you, to the friends that might be putting pressure on you, to your family that might be putting pressure on you. Make God's commands known. We then can trust God's commands. We cannot 
be making God's commands known simply because we were raised a certain way or be because or maybe because we fly this political flag and they align there we won't have any follow through if we're doing it for that reason we need to trust that God's commands are good we need to trust and be bought in and believe right the same way Daniel was in Daniel chapter 1 we need to ask God give me buy in to these right God, in your sovereignty, help me to really be sold out and know that your commands are good. If we really think that this deceitful business practice is wrong and then we make them known, we need to trust that the way God wants us to operate is good. If we really believe that these, what our friends are doing that are, are kind of putting pressure on us and, and we're doing the wrong stuff when we're with them, if we really believe that, that God's commands are better, then we make them known. And that leads us to having follow through, right? If we really trust them and we really believe them, when we make them known, we will have follow through. If you are operating in, I know at my school, there's times where you, the principal will walk into your room and he'll kind of say, so, so, and so, he's going to pass, right? And I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with my principal where I'm like, no. <laughs> he's like, well, he better. Well, he's not going to because he didn't do the work. And if I would have then just passed him on, there was no follow-through. And I'm not saying I, I do this perfectly, right? My principal scares the daylights out of me sometimes. But what I'm saying is that we need follow-through when, when we make God's commands known. And that comes from true belief. Um, and then finally, we do this in community. How can we today be in community? Well, number one, you're taking a really good step towards that because you are in church right now. Meeting Sunday mornings, honoring the Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath holy, being here at the gathering. We are in community right now with our Christian brothers and sisters. We have community groups through citizens and other churches that you go to. There's lots of other gospel preaching churches around Columbus. And those really gospel-centered Preaching churches are going to have community groups. And you can find deep community through those. Um, and then you may not be able to find this in whatever situation you're in. But if possible, if you are working at a place and there's a lot of pressure on you, if you have a friend group and there's a lot of pressure on you, and there are other if brothers, if there's another Christian brother or sisters, there's another Christian sister that is in that same situation that you're in, find community with them because we see Daniel do that, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were all exiled with Daniel and the problems they were facing were all very similar. And so when they went together to pray, they were able to, they were able to understand what the other person's dealing with. And I think that also leads to higher accountability, right? If you are struggling with a certain sin and you know someone that you can talk to that's going to be able to hold you accountable, go find that person. Be in community. So understanding that we are exiles and knowing how to live as exiles is important. But the most important thing that we can take away from this, from Daniel chapter 1, is that God is sovereign over all of it. So point number three, God's sovereignty in our exile. So what we're going to do is we're just going to go back and we're going to look at how God is sovereign in Daniel 1. And then we're going to look at how that applies to God's sovereignty in 2021. We first, very first thing we see... Verse 2, the Lord is the one who gives Jehoiakim over to the king's hand. The Lord is the one who is sovereign over the besiegement of Israel. 
God is the one who allowed it. God is the one who ordained it. So in 2021, God is sovereign over who gets elected. Listen, I think we should vote. I think we should fight for God's commands within our country. I think we should. I think that's a really good thing. But we can do it in a way that doesn't promote fear because we don't fear our rulers. We fear a God who is sovereign over our rulers. So as we are politically active, as we fight for God's commands, we don't have to do it in fear. When our presidential candidate is not elected, or if the one we are is elected, we can kind of have that same steady, you know what, God was sovereign over this, and He's in control. We see that the Lord is the one who let the vessels go to Shinar. God is the one who allowed those to be taken out of the holy temple and put and lumped in with other gods. It's tempting sometimes to say, God, you can stand up for yourself. And it's also tempting to be really faithful to God and say, what about me? Like, where's my reward? Where's the punishment for those who are not following your commands? God, stand up for yourself. But we know in Proverbs 11.21, be assured an evil person will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. The real fact is we all deserve punishment. We have all broken God's commands, every single one of us. Luckily, thankfully, graciously, not luckily, God planned it. He's sovereign. Through Christ, we don't have to face that punishment. But God is punishing a sinful, broken world that is constantly disrespecting and does not honor Him. It is not our role to go punish those who are not following God. God can handle that. God can handle His holy vessels being taken to Shinar. In fact, we later see in Daniel 5, uh, in Daniel chapter 5, when Belshazzar brings them out and is kind of going party, party crazy with them and, and doing a lot of stuff you shouldn't do. God comes, sends the hand, writes on the wall. We'll get into it. We'll get way more into that later. And, and later that night, uh, Belshazzar is killed by the mead. So we see that God is fully capable of, of handling His righteousness and handling punishment. It is not our role to do that. It is our role to make God's commands known and to call people to follow God's commands. Um, God allows Daniel and his companions to go. We see that when Jerusalem was besieged, they took some nobility and, and Daniel and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were part of those, and God was fully sovereign in them going to exile in Babylon. So whatever trial or persecution you are facing, God has allowed you to be there. Maybe it's singleness. Maybe there's strain in your marriage. Maybe there's turmoil in your family. Maybe you're experiencing the highest point of your entire life. God has allowed you to be there. If you are facing pain, if you are facing a struggle, if you're facing a trial, and I know that many people in our congregation have or are or will face that, God is sovereign. It's not always easy, but God is good and He is sovereign. We know in Romans 8, 28, um, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. There are times where I'm in a situation um, every morning, I have to stick a tube down my daughter's trach and like suck the air out of her lungs 
and it sucks. I hate it. And I'm like, God, what the heck? <laughs> but in those moments, I can stop and I can say to God, I don't know what you're doing. I, I, don't, I don't understand this, but I know you're good and I know you're sovereign. I know you're for your glory and I know that's for my good, right? And that's when we are in exile, when we are facing what Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego are facing, we can stop and we can say that. And it's okay. It's okay to say, God, I don't understand, but we also need to trust that God is good and that he is sovereign. Um, I think we've all experienced that a lot in these last two years, right? Moments where we've stopped and we've said, <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but God, you are good and you are sovereign. Um, we then see that God is the one who gives Daniel favor in the eyes of the eunuch. When God makes those commands, when Daniel makes the commands known to the eunuch, God is the one who gives him favor. So when we are making God's commands known, if we are faced with the opportunity to break God's commands and we feel called to make them known, we feel like we need to say, hey, I am a Christian, and because I'm a Christian, I believe this. When that happens... God is sovereign over the response. If you are in a situation where you have to talk to your boss, God is sovereign over how your boss responds. If you have to talk to a friend group, God is sovereign over how your friends respond. If you have to talk to your family, God is sovereign over how your family responds. We then see that God's commands lead to, they end up leading to better appearance for Daniel and his friends, right? He, Daniel and his friends take those 10 days and they eat the fruits and vegetables and they come back stronger. And, and God's commands led to better appearance. But we know that Daniel was, did not know. He was not 100% certain the outcome of what would happen when he was following God's commands. But he knew that God was sovereign in, follow, in the outcome of following them. We're not guaranteed to get Daniel's results. You may go to your friends and say, hey, because of this, I can't do this. Because I'm a Christian, I can't do this. And they could respond. You could do it in the most gracious, loving way, and they could respond terrible, but God is sovereign in over how they respond. God is sovereign in how, you, how your boss may respond. God is sovereign in how your family may respond. We are not guaranteed to get the awesome result that Daniel got, but we might. And we might not. Either way, we trust that what God is doing is good. We then see that God gives them learning and skill. We see Daniel is given understanding of visions and dreams. And we see that, they, that God gives them favor in the eyes of the king. We're going to see all this work together through the rest of Daniel. Without going too, too deep, especially in Daniel chapter 2, we're going to see how God's sovereignty in giving them learning and skill and giving, especially giving Daniel the ability to interpret visions and dreams is going to lead to Daniel being able to share with Nebuchadnezzar that his kingdom's not going to last, but there is a lasting kingdom coming. Nebuchadnezzar is going to end up going through some points of repentance and then pride and then repentance. And then the last thing that we hear about Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel is that he has fully submitted to God. So because of Daniel's exile, we now see this wayward king this prideful king submitting to the one true and holy God. And we see that story 
later, and we've looked at that story for months and months and months, if we've looked at, if you, if you have listened to Mark, you will see someone coming to live in exile, which then leads to the repentance and people turning and trusting the one true and holy God. That person is Jesus Christ. <clears throat> we... Told you I would be really lost if these are out of order. In Mark 31, we see Jesus comes. Sorry, in Mark chapter 8, verse 31, we see that Jesus Christ came not to be a king, not to be exalted, but we see Jesus Christ came. He began to teach that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and thereafter, and after three days rise again. Christ came to be in exile, to live here, so he could pay for the punishment of our sins, so we could turn to him and really honor and trust the one true and holy God. The same way Daniel lived as an exile, that story unfolds that it's all pointing to the greatest exile, right? Jesus Christ. And so whether you are in Daniel chapter 1, or you are in Mark, or you are in 2021, our life as an exile should point to the one true and holy God. If we go back and we look at Hebrews 13, 14, it says, For we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. All of this may sound kind of scary. I'm supposed to live in an exile. You look at what happened to Daniel. You look at what happened to Christ. But I want to tell you that we can, as Christians, joyfully live as exiles. We can joyfully trust God's commands here, whatever that brings us, because we have a lasting city that is to come. We are joyfully living counterculturally as exiles in 2021 in America as Christians because we have a lasting city to come. If you are not a Christian... I encourage you to put your faith in Christ. If you don't know exactly what that looks like, there's so many people in this room that you could talk to right after the service. You can talk to me. You can talk to Rob. You can talk to June, Michael. I, I could list a million people in here that could help you understand what it means to follow Jesus. I can point you to scriptures that tell you what it means to follow Jesus. So remember that even as exiles... As Christians, we will live as exiles here. As exiles, there are steps we can take. But over all of that, God is sovereign.